Are you ready to take your mindset to an even higher level on and off the mat? Then you're ready for the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the mat with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 63. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas, and today we have fourth degree black belt, Andre Terencio. Besides being the co-founder of Brazil 021 School of Jiu-Jitsu with multiple locations in the U.S., Canada, and Brazil, he's also the co-founder of the Brazil 021 Social Project. He shared the importance of persistence and practice in everything you do. He shared a couple of success stories from the Brazil 021 Social Project, And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him about a piece of advice he would give to the younger Andre when he moved to the United States. And his answer inspired me to title this episode, Focusing on the Process. Stick around for my final thoughts after the interview when I expand on my takeaway with you. Stay tuned right after Jiu-Jitsu Tribe's message. Oos. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Jiu-Jitsu Tribe, formerly Live Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu Tribe supports social projects who offer free Jiu-Jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to pay for their monthly expenses and facility makeovers. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coach donate all the profit of all online courses and merchandise to Jiu-Jitsu Tribe. For more information, please visit www.jujitsutribe.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, Andre Terencio. Andre is a fourth-degree black belt from Carlos Henrique. He is the co-founder of Brazil 021 School of Jiu-Jitsu with multiple locations in the U.S., Canada, and Brazil. He's also the co-founder of the Brazil 021 Social Project. Believing that jiu-jitsu made him the person he is today is the foremost reason he decided to start Brazil 021 Project, which helps empowering children that face similar situations and struggles that Andre encountered growing up. The belief that jiu-jitsu can change a person both physically and mentally is of prime importance to the project. Jiu-Jitsu is a way of life. Its principles aid in overcoming challenging situations both on and off the mat. Andre, welcome to the podcast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Uh, we know each other for a long time. We grew up fairly close neighborhoods. Tijuca, Grajaú, Isabel, they're all kind of connected in Brazil. So you've been around for a long time. So... I know you're going to have some good stuff to share. So first, tell us how jiu-jitsu show up in your life. And did you have a chance? Did you practice any other martial arts before jiu-jitsu? Yes, I did. Actually, uh, by the way, let me say, uh, I forgot to mention. So hi, everyone. Um, so, I mean, thanks, Gustavo, for having me. But also thanks for all the audience from, like, the BJJ Mental Coach. Okay, it's such an honor to be here. Okay. Um, now, going back to the topic. So, yes, I did judo when I was seven years old. And then um, after a while, you know, I did judo at the Clube Municipal in Tijuca with Prof. Sensei Eduardo Ramos. 
And so from seven during like four years, I was just doing judo. Then I got boring because I don't know why. At the time, I really loved judo. Don't take me wrong. But at the time uh, when I got born and I didn't want to, I said, Daddy, I don't want to do more, you know, judo anymore. And then he said, you're not going to stay home doing nothing. So we're going to find something for you to kind of like, you know, because you, he really wants to keep me busy. And of course, stay healthy since I was kind of like obese and with low self-esteem. So I really had to be involved in martial arts. Then he introduced me to jiu-jitsu where... And then he took me to Santana's Brothers Academy, um, which is Valdemar, you know, the school of the Santana Brothers, the, the Valdemar who fought like the Green Master, Eagle Grace, back in the 50s. And I stayed there from like uh, for two years. Then I moved to Tijuca because at the time, the school more, his school were more focused and kind of like nowadays would be MMA, you understand? In 1991, I ended up training, you know, meeting my professor, Carlos Enrique, who uh, promoted me, like, you know, basically from, like, white because I was yellow belt. And I went back to white belt because I reached the age. I mean, and I had to, and then he promoted me into the black belt. So that's how, basically, I started my jiu-jitsu journey. Yeah, and how do you feel jujitsu relate to life? How long? So, how long you been training now? Uh, almost thirty years. It's over than thirty years yeah. since we started. Like you know, when I was eleven, so yeah. thirty, yeah, thirty plus years. Yeah. Uh huh. And yes, uh, how do you relate jujitsu in life? Uh, it's funny, you know. You asked me this, it's because recently I did an interview for um, our little lady in Brazil. And she asked me, how can we apply jiu-jitsu in life? And I said, jiu-jitsu is the only martial arts in the world where being on the bottom doesn't mean you're losing. Regardless, what kind of like a problem you're facing, you always has a chance as long as like, you know, as long as you're under submission, even though under submission, there's a hope of you to escape. But uh, I do apply because sometimes, you know, you have up and downs in life. But I just take the way, like, it's just a moment. It's not going to stay last. Um, it's not going to be forever. Does that make sense? Can you follow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. So, you know, playing guard. Because for the eyes, for those who doesn't know jiu-jitsu, being a body or losing any any kind of like a fight, street fight, and then people see like, oh, this guy's losing. But no, he's not losing. He's still playing guard. Unless if you're in the mount position. But even though, like I said before, you can escape from the mount, reset your guard, and at least protect yourself. Then you can manage. So that's how you see jiu-jitsu. And that's why, that's how I have been applying jiu-jitsu in my life. And when did you feel that you have the spark that basically you felt, I want to do this for a living? How old were you? How was that, that mindset that started to like, you know what? I think I can make a living with this. Uh, actually, I used to be kind of like, uh, I don't know how people say here, but I used to work as an office boy in a project um, in Brazil. Then my professor, uh, and I told my professor, I said, look, I just, and then I got fired. And I went to the school, so I got to my professor's school, you know, really early. And then he asked me, like, so what are you doing here? He said, oh, I just quit my job. 
exactly remember now. And he said, so what are you going to do now? He said, I don't know. I might start to deliver like a newspaper because most of my friends from my neighborhood, because I grew up in, I was born in Estacio near mm -hmm. to Tijuca. Mm -hmm. And most of my friends, they used to deliver like newspapers and get, you know, good money. They had a motorcycle, two pairs of shoes. And at a time, I was like 17 years old. It was kind of like 16. And I thought it was a big deal to have like a, a motorcycle and a nice shoes with mm -hmm. nothing. And he said, look, I see you have a potential, but you're not, gonna, you're not going to make a lot of money and I cannot promise you anything. What I can promise you, I can develop you as an instructor and eventually you will be able to make leave from jiu-jitsu. What a great life. You can be barefoot, wear a gi, do something what you love, but you have to believe first. And I did, I took the challenge and at the time, I was 17 years old, 17 years old, and ever since, I never stopped. So, yes, basically, that's when I kind of like, uh, and... What belt were you? I was blue belt. You know, I became, I started as a, as a assistant instructor. And he, and then I, I wore like a dark blue, it's very old school, yeah. only just a few schools. So I wore like a, a dark blue belt. But I still remember, like, when I had the fear of, man, what a challenge. But a little fear, but at the same time, I said, man, if, it's, if it's my professor is saying I'm capable to do that, so what should, you know, what should I be afraid of? No, I have nothing to, you know, to be afraid of. So let's try that. And I did. And how was the transition coming to the U.S.? You know, how long, how long have you been in the U.S. now? Uh, 12 years in a couple months, yes. 12 yeah, years in so a couple how months. How was that transition uh, teaching in Brazil? So by that point, you're already teaching for many years. Yes. And so how was this? How did it happen? So let us know okay. a little bit more. So, you know, it was me and my partner when you came, like, with Hanag, we came to the United States in 2005. She fought in the ADCC in the first, like, uh, with the first time they had uh, the female version. And then we came over here and, you know, I always I was kind of like a hard worker with jiu-jitsu. Always, since like my first day as a jiu-jitsu instructor, I used to take this very serious. And when I got here in the United States of America, I just felt I could relate myself a lot because I look around and I said, you know what? Um, if I work the way I work in Brazil, I can succeed. Um, and then I, you know, I look around, it was like the, in the, in the, um, in, it was in Long Beach, California, the same venue as the IBJJF had yeah. all the tournaments, big the world. And then I said, this place is going to be for me because I know I can succeed in this system, help, you know, the small, you know, the, the small business owners to kind of like, to have a chance. So I remember like in Brazil working like a crazy and not see a kind of like a big result. Yeah. Of course, I feel, and I know looking back, I mean, I always knew it. I was above the average because teaching Jiu Jitsu in Brazil, I had a chance uh, to uh, take care of myself, 
take care of my family. I bought some like, you know, property just with jujitsu. I had a car, I had a, like a decent life and I can't complain after uh, when they started to teach uh, jujitsu. Can you follow me? Yeah. Uh, but being in the United States was a huge step. And then of course, you know, there's some struggles in the beginning, like everyone else, but it was all worth it. Yeah, and one of the things that we hear a lot, especially in our case, we have people listening from all over the world, have people, they know it's always hard to leave a country, to move abroad, whatever you're going, going to a different country, it's always hard. But one of the things that I relate 100% to, or you always hear, especially from Brazilians, is because uh, sometimes Americans, they don't realize how amazing they have here. I think a mm -hmm. lot of people take for granted the opportunities that the United States have. And like you said, you just work and put so many hours and for so many years and you like, you know, you're swimming or going anywhere. Like, man, so it's yes. definitely hard. And that's a very common feeling that people have in Brazil and in the U.S. And exactly what you said, if you're willing to work, the results will show up. We don't mm -hmm. know when, but it will. and. And that's hard. That's hard sometimes when I when I see some people complaining a lot about the United States. I'm like, man, you guys have no idea. No. People sometimes need to travel a little more and see some other places to maybe uh, appreciate more the opportunities the United States have, you know? 100%. You know, I agree. And I can't like, you know, it, it's funny because every time when you hear somebody saying, for those who doesn't know or who never had a chance to be in the United States, all they know is about like watching movies or now on the internet. Oh, Americans did that. I said, look, you know, don't say something about what you don't know because I'm very thankful and grateful for this amazing country who embraced us. And if I can call myself now, I'm still number one, a jiu-jitsu professor, that's my job. But if whenever I go to make a business, you know, with the landlord, the potential like a facilitator, what I'm going to take and, you know, build kind of like a jiu-jitsu school and they see me as a businessman and they respect me, you know, they can, we look kind of equally, uh, is because of this country, you understand? Plus the hard work, what you do. Um, that's why I'm very thankful for being here, you know. And, and did you go straight to Chicago? Yes. So you came straight to Chicago and because you do, well, uh, uh, I'm sorry, no. Then 2005, then we went, we went back to Brazil, by the way. Then you came back in 2007 for the ADCC, yes, it was the second edition with, with female. Uh, it was in New Jersey, in Trenton. Then when you can, and then Hanette, she won the trials, and then she won the tournament, but we already knew it. We are going to, you know, you're coming to stay, you know, we're coming for good. Mm -hmm. Then you went to Canada. We're looking around, but our final destination is Chicago, which we had a kind of like a guy who I met in Brazil, his American guy, and he kept saying uh, he was, uh, he's married with a Brazilian lady, and he was the one who made a connection. He told us about the potential of Chicago. So 12 years ago, it was just kind of like, I would say like three schools, Jiu-Jitsu school, legit Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu school. Now, if you go in the, you know, the IBJJF calendar, for instance, so the Chicago Open is one of the biggest 
uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments in the Midwest. And I'm really wow. proud of this because there's a kind of like, uh, it is a part of us too, because we fought really hard, I mean, in a good way to have this tournament over here. But anyways, now this is a reflection. Uh, have this, uh, have like a Chicago Open twice a year in the calendar of the IBJJF. That means something. That means, you know, the community grew a lot. And we are one of the pioneers of the, you know, the, 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 the uh, I would say the developing, um, the tournament, you know, in the jiu-jitsu in the right direction here mm-hmm. in the Midwest. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's here, actually, we're in 2019. IBJJF is coming back here this year to Phoenix. And something, too, that uh, for the work that a lot of instructors that have been here for a long time. When it is like here, you. Yeah. Maybe, you, um, you, know, you have been doing a lot of work for, you know, the community, like, you know, in Arizona. Yeah, it's been 20 years. I know. Uh, so it's been a long road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now when, when you moved, you started a new project, not project that I'm saying, not talking about a social project, but saying as far as this new phase of your life, starting this school mm-hmm. and very often people, when they starting in they don't know how to deal with some of the fears and anxieties and that come up how did you deal with some of the uncertainties that when you move in again you're learning everything you're coming into a completely new territory you learning how the the country works how did you deal with all all those new things yeah first of all again you know applying jiu-jitsu in my life okay it doesn't matter how much you know the person's on top of you it's like a fighting absolute Okay, it doesn't matter how big you know, is your opponent, you still need to fight for. And I truly believe in this country, we will succeed also who can accept more the pressure or the punch. I mean, I'm just making knowledge, okay? And it was based on like persistence because when, we, when I came in, I didn't speak any English, okay? Mm-hmm. But always I had the kind of like a, the... I would say the, the kind of business mindset because as a kid, always was involved. Like, you know, I was always selling something. Got it. Since as a kid, you understand? And I was capable to apply this kind of like uh, skills, okay, on my interpreter, like uh, uh, jiu-jitsu life, basically. But it was kind of hard, but uh, it was based on like persistence and avoid anybody who could prevent me from accomplish our goals you understand and well and it was kind of like easier when you have somebody you know next to you alongside you who has the same mindset to win does that make do you understand mm-hmm. so it was kind of hard but at the same time it was like good when you when you have somebody next to you like hey no matter what that's our that we have a goal we have a target and nobody you take this, you know, you're going to take our focus away. Yeah. Always surrounding yourself with, yeah. So surrounding yourself with people that are in the same mission of moving forward and helping others and positive, not dragging you down. And by the way, let me just add something here. I forgot. Uh, sorry for, uh, sorry for cutting you off, um, Gustavo, but, when I got here, I used to remember there was a chance of us to, for me to work as a valet parking. Mm-hmm. And 
a guy offered me the job, but I knew it. I didn't want kind of like, uh, there's a perfect example of like, you know, change your focus. And because I, I, I do love money, but I wouldn't be happy, you know, doing something else, make a leave from something else. Because otherwise I would stay in Brazil. My goal when I moved to the United States of America was to have a better life, okay, and be able to to make a decent leave from what I love, for what I, for my passion. You understand? And the guy asked me like, well, why don't you do a, deli- uh, a valet park? And he said, no, I don't want to do this. I would rather to suffer, struggle a little bit. You know, the money is going to be a little tight, but I know my, you know, my, our time you come is just a matter of time. So, and we kind of, had a kind of argument because the guy kept asking me because I used to live in his house. It was basically my landlord who I was, we were living for free in his basement. And like, why don't you do that? I said, no, because we have enough money to pay our, for our transportation and food. And I I was kind of, kind of like a rude because I used to remember now, if you were nowadays, I wouldn't say, I would never say that. But I said, am I asking for money? And he goes like, how you, why are you being so defensive? And I said, but at the time, I didn't know how to express myself. But looking back, now remember, it's clear in my mind, I didn't want to lose my focus. I didn't want to, like, uh, get a drag, like, uh, by the system. You understand? Mm-hmm. Just be another person, like, leaving the United States because of the money. No, the point was just the money. The point was, like, I want to make leave for what I believe with jiu-jitsu and be able to kind of, like, besides to run a business, but in, uh, empowering other people and show the kind of, like, the power of jiu-jitsu for, the, you know, for people. And it was the best choice, what I have made. Yeah. And I think, of course, it depends on uh, what part of each one's journey you're at. You know, I was in a point... Because sometimes you got to do what you got to do. It is what it is, but it really depends what point are you at in your journey. Mm -hmm. When I came 20 years ago, the scene was very different. And I didn't come to necessarily to teach. I came to, A, there's an opportunity to come in and possibly get a visa. And eventually, of course, my final goal, it was to accomplish my school. But I knew that. I wasn't going in. I just got very lucky that maybe in about a month I was in Vegas. One of the former instructors decided not to teach anymore. And then John went and, hey, you have two classes here you want to teach. So I was kind of like breathing a little bit, but I was working on other stuff. So it took me a while. Always mentioned here Jim Rome's quote of work full-time, you're living part-time, you're in your dream. And one day this part-time will become the full-time if you put in all the time and everything. So it depends where people are at in their career. Sometimes, like uh, very often people who listen, they are in the moment that they work in something that they don't like and they mm. want to go towards their dream. So they go slowly kind of getting away and, mm. and doing that part-time with what they love and hopefully at one point you take over. So the main thing is, is just depend what point uh, on their journey they at, but, uh, and stick with, and the, I think the great thing is that you, you just took with what you believe. You yeah. Know? I mean, honestly, that was the main thing. We were very lucky because it, it's weird because it's so weird, but people often ask me like, what else did you do in the United States? Is that, 
I never did anything besides teaching Jiu-Jitsu. 12 years, all I know, my experience working in this country, teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's all. Lock in. You know, what a great yeah. life. I can't complain. But of course, there's a, the downside too. The other side of people who don't know when people take advantage of you in the beginning. But again, all I see that is a part of the process, yeah. especially when you're, when you're young and something. Yes. Right. Now, what do you feel that has been some of the toughest entrepreneurial experiences that you have, some of the struggles that you've been through in learning how to do business in U.S.? And what did you learn from it? Uh, I think, you know, the best, I mean, we have so many, right? Because no way to succeed without fail, no way to succeed without making mistakes. Uh, and I usually, uh, we tell our students all the time about jujitsu. People say often jujitsu is for everybody, but it's not everybody's for jujitsu. Why? Because if you let your ego speak for yourself, go do something else. If you're not willing to tap, there's no way to go to the next level. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So, and again, now you're, you're again talking about how, you know, how applying like jujitsu in your life. But uh, if you don't try something, you can't accomplish something. So I think like the, the, the most like recently was when you invest uh it's not all your money but your time training somebody okay and you bring somebody from another country because you think this is my our last experience and you think because the guy knows jiu-jitsu and the guy really wants to get out from where he is okay and then you bring the person you make a huge investment you know again I'm not even just talking about money. People just, people don't realize that, but like it's more than money, your time, train the person. And the person needs to learn the language. The person is kind of like a brand new in a country and you invest and out of nowhere, uh, you realize the person is not ready for this project. You know, sometimes you want more than the person or, and the lesson was, so, uh, it doesn't matter how long you know the person, make sure we're going to preset the rules and the agreement before everything else. Because you cannot have your money back. Your business, your business, if you're planning to expand, which you know was our case, and you you rely on that person, but the person is not committed with the project. But sometimes the person is not even committed, I would say the person is not ready for this type of project. Let's put it this way. Yeah. And often too is, man, when the, the values are not aligned, it's going to be tough to work. Yes. You know, you have your values, the person have their values. And sometimes it's not about the right, who is right, who is wrong. It's just, we just have different points of view, different beliefs. And so be it. So I, I totally get it, man. Now I'd like to know, I, like to know more and you tell people about the social project that Brazil uh, O2 one has in Brazil and yeah, just tell us more when it started, how, and eventually we're going to talk about people want to donate mm -hmm. and everything, but like, when did you start and how is, how's is the project going right now? Yeah. The project I mean is doing, uh, I cannot say it's great 
is doing good because we're still kind of like saving lives through jujitsu. That's the main thing, but could be better because basically we keep the project by our, you know, with our own money because myself and, you know, and Hanet Stack, we don't want to get involved with uh, politicians and, uh, uh, no, you want to like, you don't want somebody who you want to just come in just to take advantage of for a few like uh, votes. Um, but we have this project for about like a 90 years already. Okay. And just started out of nowhere. We had no, we always, we always had an idea thought of to build something Brazil kind of giving back to the community one day. But this came like, you know, way before, because as a kid, was a guy who used to like train with me in Brazil, who's a part of the favela, the Borel uh, community in Tijuca. And he came and he asked me if I, if I could like send an instructor to start a social project over there. And then the thing started like with the, with the, just a few pieces of match, old match, and it's not even like a geese. And then during one of our camps to Brazil, we used to take our students from Chicago to go to Rio de Janeiro to have a better understanding about the culture of uh, Jiu-Jitsu, to learn about Jiu-Jitsu roots, you know, to know the city. And part of the, part of the schedule was to go to train in a favela. And first time when they went there, they, they all were like, they, they, they were like shocked. They're like, wow. We can't believe people are training in place like that and it's still happening. People, everybody was smiling, have so much fun. And then they decided, they all got together and then they decided, Professor, we'd like to buy a match and donate some geese. And that's how we create the nonprofit organization because you don't want to, you didn't want to mix like business with a nonprofit. Do you understand? Yeah. But it's pretty much like this. Now we, uh, three years ago, we brought two kids from the project to compete at the, the Worlds. Three years, four years. And one, now he's not trained anymore, but I'm so happy because the kid now, he's going through the, he's applying for, he's trying to get an engineer, engineer mm -hmm. school, and all the ones still train, which is good, which making me happy and proud. Um, but it's hard actually like, uh, next week, August, August 3rd, we're going to have the social action. We made a partnership with the franchise, the outfit clothes store, the name tracking field, remember mm -hmm. the, the brand. So all the sales from this store and one day in August, August 3rd, 10% of all the sales we will donate to our project, but it's not going to be, uh, consistent, but at least be something and all any help is welcome whoever wants to help us either like with the geese actually we have enough geese we don't have enough kids geese you know mm -hmm. for the little ones and of course the uh the money to keep the project alive do you send geese uh there because i've sent in brazil everything is complicated mm -hmm. <laughs> like we try to send um, geese to brazil they don't help you you know no. what I'm saying? it's like it's super expensive they tax you and then they hold you and sometimes you never get the box it's it's a mess so how mm -hmm. you guys work with that just when you go take with you some of the geese yes personally? and every time we you know when you go when you go to brazil i, I go to brazil very often um uh, 
every time when I go to Brazil, then I take some gigs with me or I send by somebody else. If I know somebody is going to Brazil, say, I ask, hey, could you please, you know, is that possible? Look, and the person, usually people, oh, no problem. Sometimes it's worth it even to pay the extra back. Yes, absolutely. It's all used gigs. And then they take and then um, we give to the, you know, to the kids who join the project. Yeah. That's how we have been doing and it's really cool what you mentioned about two kids that had opportunity to come here and one doesn't even train. So it's not even uh, anymore, but it's not even about they becoming champions or making a living with jiu-jitsu. It's just giving guidance, using that as a tool. And then now applying to go to college, that's that's um, incredible. You know? right. So it's cool when they make a living with jiu-jitsu and pursue and see oh, yeah. great stories. But most of them, just to get them straight up to be well, – Probably without jujitsu, be without this opportunity, his mind yes. would be in a completely different place. I forgot to mention, but like Davini, he recently just got promoted as a brown belt. Uh, he's basically from our project too, and now he lives in the United States of America. He has been competing a lot, so he came to the states two years ago, and he's still like in a, his uh, athlete visa. He's. Uh, so we did all the application, did everything. Now the kids basically, he's still with us, but he lives a dream, you know, living in the United yeah. States because he used to live in the Pocket Island where we have a project too. It is an extension of Brazil Tournament Project. And this is another case of success, okay, from our project in Brazil. But people don't realize it's a lot of work. When you start a nonprofit, you're gonna run it like a business <laughs> without expecting any. <laughs> it, 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 it's challenging, but at the end, it's good. Yeah. Um, for people listening for the first time, I've uh, been doing, co founded this nonprofit organization, used to call Live Jiu Jitsu. Now we rebranded to Jiu Jitsu Tribe. So it has been, we're going up to nine years. And for years, we just, we bought geese, paid for term registration, bought mats and have like donations and most of the projects in Brazil. And then over the years, it started to kind of think in a, in a bigger picture. And this year, we finally able to pull the trigger because now we basically focus on extreme makeovers of social projects. So we get some of the projects are people who are doing an incredible job and the place is falling apart. We go there, we fix them up and give them a salary to maintain the project. And then we go to another one. There's one that we just finished the phase two. It's called Projeto Gaditas. Have you heard of it from the south of Brazil? Well, yeah, I just saw your picture recently. You were like somewhere, right? Yeah, um, yeah, this is a different one, but this one's in the south. We uh, this guy does an incredible job, man. He's probably one of the best social projects in Brazil. He's basically an orphanage. He adopted eighteen kids besides wow. his two and his wife, and he started to uh, started just teaching at home and all the stuff. And then basically, he started. He wanted to create more rooms to split because all those kids used to sleep in one room, bunk beds and stuff like that. And so we helped with um, all the construction and stuff. So we raised about $10,000, which is kind of a lot of money in Brazil. Oh, yes. Uh, to speed up the process. And then we finished the phase two about a month ago, which is securing uh, 
one year of salary to them because they had multiple times water got cut, you know, just cut off and power. So uh, we're able to pay 1500 reais per month, which is incredible. And in dollars would be about $450. So you raise the money all up front. So that means he's guaranteed until next year, until June next year, all, you know, the, all the regular bills, uh, paid for the project and this guy it's incredible man uh, i know <laughs> man congratulations yeah. super they, these guys are called the superheroes you know what i mean because they are they they live in to serve people oh yes so actually over there in our like uh, social project uh we have my mom who's a social worker and she's a volunteer and i have the 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 guy who does kind of like he's a personal trainer he's a he has a phd in physical education and he take care of the the preparation for the kids who likes to compete so he's a responsible for that nice. you understand but the only person now the cost of the project for us is the instructor and the transportation you have to pay for the at least for the guy uh, it's not a rookie i don't know what's the right name to say stagiario Mm -hmm. He's a trainee, basically. He's a trainee, yeah, as yeah. a social worker. Yeah, trainee, perfect, thank you. And so he helped us. But basically, every month, plus I have to pay the county, is uh, about like a 450 yes, $450 every single month I have to send to, to Brazil to keep the project alive. Otherwise, it's when the, like, you know, the project would be no longer, you know, exist. Yeah, I think the picture that you're probably mentioning, I was in Salvador, Bahia. Yes. And one of the roughest communities out there and one of the most violent ones. And so these guys have been teaching on the street for the past five years. And they just put the mats every day. You know, just the space that when, when a bus pull in and there's a little uh, space, that's where they put the mats. And wow. they've been doing this for five years. So I heard about them. And so I went there to see and, and teach a class. And man, uh, straight up, that's one of the most powerful experiences that I've uh, ever experienced. Because like you said, uh, the same feeling that some of your students had when they went there, like, wow, they're all happy. They're training. Oh, yeah. You know? And there's the same thing in the, in the website. If you go jujitsu tribe.org, there's a, because uh, right now, currently in July, that we're recording this July 2019, we're doing a campaign to raise money because that's the goal is to buy a place. So we already found a house that we're going, he is a nonprofit organization. So we're in the process of raising the money to buy the house. So that will be divided in three phases. So teaching there, and man, I'm, I'm teaching and it's like two feet from, from the mat. There's like a bus passing by, you know, I'm not kidding. If you see the video, be like, what, you know, there's a risk of you getting swept, you know, like a boom and getting hit by a bus or something, you know what I mean? And, and man, this guy, it's incredible. And I remember at the end, I was, I taught from 530 to 1030. Wow. Uh, at night. And Cause go kids, kids, and then adults. Uh, I mean, the guys just there all the time. And at the end, he he brought some bread, butter, and then some drinks that he provides uh, to a lot of the kids and some of the guys that um, 
a lot of them, there will be the only meal they're going to have that night. So mm. I'm sitting there, I'm feeling like, man, feeling bad that I'm eating, you know, their food and they're stoked. They're excited that I'm there eating, sharing with them, that I'm eating on the mat with them. But at the same time, that touched me in a way like, man, a lot of those kids here, that'll be their only meal they're going to have tonight. Mm-hmm. You know? So that was, man, that night was long for me. I was like, Phew. there's no difference mm-hmm. when it goes to Borel. And you used to have a party, you know, the Christmas party was the, the best one. Because you see the kids, uh, used to, um, one of our friends used to allow us to use her like a, kind of like a vacation house mm-hmm. in Vargin Pequena mm-hmm. with swim pool, uh, soccer field. And a lot of our kids, the kids from our project, they never been inside of like a swim pool. Yeah. When they see that and then plus eating just something very which it's normal for us. They're like, wow. In Brazil, it's very common to call you uncle, right? Chio, chio. And they're like, oh, uncle, uncle Andre or uncle Hanet. Uh, Aunt Hanet, I'm sorry. And that's amazing. So when is it going to be the next one? Because they never had, usually they don't have this experience, especially, you know, I would say 80% of our kids, they're raised by the single mom. Their parents usually like, you know, the father are in jail or where he died by, you know, got killed and murdered by somebody else. And it, it, it's, and they live by one minimal salary. It's almost, it's not even like a thousand reais. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they don't go out very often. All they do is just hanging out in the neighborhood. And eventually, like, usually the, our, basically our projects pretty much to keep them out of the trouble. That's, uh, uh that's 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 what we have been doing the most but we'd like to be able to provide more absolutely i hear you i was uh matter of fact right now it's uh this is happening right now when i went there i met one kid that uh because usually i sponsor some kids from different sports i just don't put like on Instagram or whatever. But um, so I help kids in Brazil from different sports. I just like to support people who are hard workers. I don't care what they're doing, but see like, man, that kid is trying so hard. So one of the kids is 15 and he's probably the best one of them. He's uh, just got his blue belt as a juvenile. So I think he's the, the better one of the project. So the teacher Dalio was telling me the story of like, hey, check you know check this kid out i was watching and and then he said like well his dad got addicted to crack left the house uh the mom left and got hooked up with the main guy from the cartel wow so left and then he lives with the brother and the brother works for the drug dealers you know and has been in jail and this kid has good grades in school he's a good kid but he's like in the border to go like a little, like just win, like right on the edge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He goes bad. So I started to sponsor him to have someone like to believe that, wow, someone's believing in me. And I got some company um, to give him some, some clothing, you know, and stuff like just to kind of help as a mini sponsor. So I've been paying for registrations and then I decided, man, this kid needs to see some other things. So now he's right now in Rio. As I mentioned, we're in July 2019. So I got in contact with Fabio, Fabio Andrade. Mm-hmm. So yeah. 
Monster Hunter's coach, and he does an incredible job with those kids, man. So I told him, like, hey, I got this kid. What do you think he spent now in his uh, school break to stay three weeks with you so he get to see more and stuff? Absolutely. So he's there. So he flew there, like, a few days ago. So he's going to compete in Rio. So now just see different things, you know? And January, I'm going to send him to Europeans, you know? So all that stuff, man, uh, there's no price tag for that. No. And like, and no like I said, like, is it going to pursue jujitsu? I don't know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I really don't know because it doesn't matter just for the fact that, you know, first time he's traveling and all this happening, you know, so he's so excited. So, um, uh, so, so this is more like my personal side, but as mm-hmm. far as in the context of the organization, now we're going in the bigger picture of fixing up the place in his, in, in Dallas case, we're going to buy the house and, and then going to uh, get, you know, a monthly salary. And then we go to another project you know, So we go one by one small, but uh, so that's why for everyone who's listening, you want to help donate, learn more about this case. Um, maybe you might be listening to this interview five years from now. Maybe it's 2025. We're still going to be around. You can go to jujitsutribe.org. We're going to be supporting a different project. So this uh, became a, a huge priority in my life. You know, I'm doing okay with my school and, and my events. And I just felt that uh, very similar to you, just naturally gravitating towards social work. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Consistently in my mind. And I know that it's in yours too. And, but 100%. at the same time, we've got to take care of our bills to be able to help others. You know what I mean? So that's the challenge. Yeah, you know? it is. So, uh, but it's moving little by little. So people want to know more, just go to jujitsutribe.org. Now, what do you say is a habit that you have that you practice daily that has helped you in jujitsu and life? Just something that you practice. I like to call the high performance habit. Mm. persistence in practice there is no way around without persistence in practice because people say you know very often use the phrase believe and achieve okay but in between of those two words (laughs) also there's kind of like you have to do your homework okay to something become kind of like a tangible you have to work for you cannot just believe because you're not going to achieve if you don't work. People get confused about that. Believe and achieve, okay, that's great to say that, right? But hard work pays off. That's why. Does that make sense? So that's how I see. Did I answer your question? Yes. Um, Now, what is the best advice you've ever received that helped you in anything? You know, could it be in jiu-jitsu? So there's a two... um, for for the business owners, or if you're willing to always start a business, I would say nobody will care more about your business than yourself. Period. Yes, sir. No matter what, okay, you gotta be there. I mean, it's not just teaching because people also get confused about oh, I have to teach and be on the mat. Yes, it's good. Your students they really want to see on the mat, but sometimes it's good for you to stay in your business, be outside. The way you can have a per- peripheral vision about what's going on, okay? And that's why I say, because I travel a lot, but every time when I travel, so luckily uh, we have a great partnership, you know, myself and Hanad. So 
we're always on, on board and on top. But even though sometimes you blink and you see things like, you know, go a little down and you're like, you have to be always on top of your school. It's not just about who has been paying the tuition, but also the little things, you know, how to fix, you know, to improve because in your staff and mine, everything is fine, everything is great. But no, I mean, if you really care about, like, if you really want to put your business, your school on the next level, or to survive in this world, you have to be on top of a business, you know, so no matter what. Nobody cares more, you know, than you, than yourself. For sure. Now, what advice would you give to the young, younger Andrea when you moved to the U.S. 12 years ago? And of course, you don't want anything different, right? Because mm -hmm. you you know where you're at because all the choices that you made you in a in a happy moment in your life that all the choices you made. But if you could have a conversation with a younger Andrea based on what you've seen in the past 12 years, what would you tell them? Uh, the money is a consequence of your good work. So... The money is a consequence of a good work because if you work, if you do your best, if you know what you're doing, if you know where you want to get, so, but you cannot put the money in front. That's the, I think that's the biggest mistake of people because remember back in the days, I used to be all about money, 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 money. Now you're going to do your job, your homework first. Uh, and then those things will come along. So don't rush. Yeah, it's interesting how we get older, start seeing things in a different way. You know what I mean? It's yes. it's crazy. Um, but yeah, with business, with everything, which is a good thing, man. It's part of the emotional maturity process. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And and very often, sometimes people need to understand too that uh, you have beliefs, and there's nothing wrong for you to change your mind and change your beliefs. Because mm -hmm. sometimes people ask me like. Well, but you used to say, like, well, I don't anymore. I reevaluated. I saw that it doesn't make any more sense. I don't use it anymore. Like, you used to, you vote on that guy. Yeah, you know, but now I don't support it anymore. I don't think that guy's good, you know? You know, that goes like, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, it was the same, like, uh, phrase. First time I heard it was when I had a chance to, I met Mestre Camisa from Abadá Capoeira. Mm -hmm. It's a famous mess in Brazil. You probably like, you know mm -hmm. who he is. And then he, every time you talk to somebody, so I had an honor to go in his like uh, um, farm uh, in his small town in Rio de Janeiro. And he says, he said to us like, I might change my mind 20 years ago. He's, he's, a, he's a visionary. That's how I see him. It's like, I might be, I might change my mind 20 years ago, but right now, that's what I believe, you know, he, he keeps his opinion, but he always, he makes sure like I might change in the future, but now, you know, it's going to really touch me because, and I use the same thing now, like you said, I might change. I don't say, because this shows like maturity too, right? Yeah, so, because one of the things that actually Tony Robbins said that is very interesting is say, it's not that uh, it takes a long time for you, like it takes a long time for people to change, you know, like, and he said, not necessarily, because uh, when you change a belief, you have an experience, something happened, it's like a snap. You're like, what? No, what? 
and you just change right away. So he said, what takes the longest is to have the clarity to change because when you experience something, the changes automatically. Like you like a politician, you vote for the guy, this guy's great. And then suddenly something come out and show the truth of this guy, all the corruption and all the thing you like, like a snap, like, wait, 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 according to my values and my morals, I'm not down with that. Change my mind. I, a matter of fact, I hate him. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> you just need to experience something and then it changes like that. You know, yeah. sometimes and sometimes it's kind of like uh, the the battle with the ego of not like no no it's this way. And when you start to really realize that yeah, there's a different way, there's a different vision. So that's an internal battle. I feel that uh, especially since I started to get more into personal development, probably like, you know, ten years ago, start to open up my mind even more with that and understanding like yeah, man, beliefs. You can change them anytime. If you're not agree, if they're not aligned with, you know, maybe you're like, yeah, there, I guarantee there's things that you and even the listener right now, if you look back, maybe let's say, I'll just go as far as five years. And then you're going to look back and think like, you're going to laugh. I can't believe I used to believe that five years ago. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> you just mm -hmm. live other things and experience and you're just going to laugh. You know, and mm -hmm. sometimes you don't have to go that long ago. Sometimes a year ago, you're like, wow. Yep. Like a year ago, I used to think that, but like, yeah, I, I don't anymore. I just, I changed my mind. That's true. The only thing that I don't change my mind is about jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the things that, that I say that you don't change your mind, core values don't change. Core values don't right? change at it, all. Yep. That's it. You know what I mean? That they, they don't change. Now, beliefs, opinions, oh, yeah. you know, it's all good. Mm -hmm. Now, yep. do you have the habit of reading or listening to podcasts or, or uh, audiobooks? No, I like to read a lot, actually. Yeah. And if I'm capable to be talk to you, even though with my broke English, so I'm sorry, guys, <laughs> listeners, but uh, it's because of the, I really like to read, especially like a, a business book. And then uh, I'm reading now The Mindset. Uh, By Carol Dweck, no. Yeah, Carol, yes. Carol Dweck, yes. Carol That's Dweck, yes. Every, and by the way, sorry to cut you off, but for people who are listening, every teacher should read this book. Mm -hmm. That's one of the, like, I would say, like, top five, maybe more, most important books that I've read, especially as far as, like, for people who has interesting teaching. Mm -hmm. yes. I'm really enjoying, and, but... <clears throat> What else? Yeah, you know, I read like several like books. The way I could expand my vocabulary, the way, you know, my mind opened to, and I mean, it was win-win situation. So yeah, no, I for twelve years and said you never spoke English before, man. I think your English is really good. Oh, and thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, man. You I know, don't think so, but if you say no, I I think so, man. It's not an easy thing. For you to, I sometimes it just just trips me out when I see people that speak five languages, oh, yeah. like perfectly, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, it's tough to speak one as it is, you know. But like, it's 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 really hard. Now yeah. I was talking with uh, someone this week, and someone said something about my English, and said, yeah, I still have a lot to learn and stuff. Like really, like dude, in Portuguese, I don't know the whole dictionary you know how am i going to know the whole dictionary in english you know there's no way you know but it's uh 
the two words that you said earlier, the persistence and practice, because you have to practice. And I feel that sometimes people can get in a comfort zone as far as learning. Uh, you see that happens a lot, for example, with the Latinos, with, with the Mexicans here in this side, uh, mm -hmm. like more like Arizona. Man, you have everything here. You have press one for English, press three for, for Spanish. Or you have, you go to grocery store, you go TV channels, you got radio, you got uh, Latino communities, like everything. So I know people have been here for 20, uh, 20 years and they can't speak. That's their choice though. That, yep. That's the choice they made. But that's a classic example of like very, like a comfort zone that, man, I have everyone here. You know, just watch these channels, this and that. However, that limits you. That's going to limit your growth and your success in a country big time. And, like, and that's one of the things that I, I came very determined. Like, if I'm, if I'm going to live in someone's country, you know, in a different country, I have to speak the language properly. And so I did put a lot of work on that. And, and, but that's, that's choice. No, I agree 100% because in the first two years here in the United States, I used to hesitate to learn English until I get in a position one day. Every time I, I used to have my official translator, which is Hanat, hey, what he said, or what she yeah. said, now you say this, this, and that. And one day she looked at me, she said, knock it off, Andre. You got to do something because you have like school and you can learn from free. You have all the like, ITV, like you say, you have all the tools to learn how to And then I realized, yeah, she was right. Then I started to kind of like uh, allow myself, surround myself to learn by watching cartoons, going to the movies. I wouldn't even yeah. go to the movies in my first two years here. Oh, she used to ask me like, oh, let's go to the movies. Like, For what? <laughs> I don't understand anything. But like, hey, you need to learn, you know, English to teach you. She said, no, they need to come. Because if you, if they, my thought, what a stupid guy. <laughs> If they, really, if they really want to learn from me, they're going to try their best to understand me. So, and after a while, I just realized, yeah, man, you're not going to grow. You're not going to evolve. You have to open your mind and uh, 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 literally like making like immersion. Immersion? Immersion. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I did. And of course, there's, so, uh, there's a lot of things that I have to fix and I have to improve. Uh, but you get there, you know, in time. So, yeah, no, it's like the same thing we were talking, like how much you change, you know, the, the mindset you to have. And I would say that if I have, I think I have mentioned this in some of the interview, but if I have to give, if I talk with the young Gustavo that moved to the U S uh, I would tell him like, go get a book, start reading, start studying. You know, I, I think it took me way too long to kind of get into it, to start reading, getting more knowledge. And as soon as I started, I got really addicted to it. I'm like, man, there's so much information out there. Mm -hmm. And of course, I start reflecting on my personal and especially professional life, you know, and start to like hey, that, that emotional maturity process will open my mind. Not that everything I read, you're just going to take like i like this i implement i don't like this no problem put it Same. away but it's just consistently just having that open mind to see like to be curious allow yourself to be curious let me just say what they're saying here you know and mm -hmm. from there you get in use uh whatever so it's like you do it's like a big salad you get a little thing here a little 
little knowledge here and there. And probably that's something that I'll tell. I'll, I try to tell this to my son. My son is 19 right now. But yeah, that doesn't work at all. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. But I'm sure. like, hey, if I had your age and I have to look back and I have to give advice to be like, yo, start reading some books, you know, do something. And now, and now it's so much better because there's audiobooks for people who don't like reading. Oh. There's podcasts, internet. It's crazy. YouTube, they got so mm. much uh, great information. I personally don't have cable at home anymore. It's been a few years, but I love watch documentaries. I always like try to learn um, different points of view and it just keep accumul accumulating. And one thing that is important too, to accumulating the knowledge, but executing on what you like too. Because sometimes people just get knowledge, knowledge, mm -hmm. knowledge, and not executing. And then I, I, I think there is one episode that I talk about this, I think episode 32 with uh, Pedro Valente. And at the end of the interview, and this is for all the listeners listening for the first time too. After the interview, I reflect on what we talk about and I create a content, some type of content to inspire, impact, and improve people's lives. And it's hard. It's not an easy thing. But I talk about, uh, there's one book in, in Stoicism. They say there's a difference of being the warrior of the mind and the librarian of the mind. The librarian of the mind is going to read all the books and this and that and know all the logistics and know all the, the knowledge, but doesn't put in practice. And the warrior of the mind, that's the one is in the arena. He's learning and he's using. Is it working or not? He's making the mistakes, mm -hmm. but he, his warrior of the mind, he's using that knowledge and he's trying, you know, and that was the whole point of the message was don't be a librarian of the mind, you know, no. everything you're learning execute it whatever you like execute it i would say that i wouldn't make like another knowledge with jujitsu is the type of students like the student who wants to know all the techniques in the world and he's not capable to apply one or two right so and i read this a long time ago you should be afraid of the guy who knows one technique i mean but he practices the same technique a thousand times. Yeah. Then somebody who knows a thousand techniques, but right, he's yeah. not capable to. So, anyways, that's how we should see because knowledge is never too much. I mean, it's always is always something to learn from, right? Any book we're gonna even learn what not to do it, right? Yes. Yes. So recently, I brought um, Pedro Pano to be our special guest in our summit, the summit of our associations uh, two years ago, which was great. And he's, you know, he told us, you know, that's how he started uh, you know, his uh, lecture. And then he said, if you would like to know what not to do in a business, so I'm the perfect person. And everybody started to laugh. So, but yeah, it was true because we were sharing his experience, okay, from you know in the beginning now he's a successful person in, in his business okay but because he learned a lot in it you know uh based on his failures so mm -hmm. uh but it's always good i really like to read i like to learn i like to talk to people i'm not the type of black belt who thinks who acts like you know i'm the king i'm the lord no i learn because without my students some of it's not all of them but because we 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 very open mind, we uh, I would say we are here. We are where we at, 
because we're always willing to learn when there's a good advice and you feel the persons really want to see you and go into the next level. You understand? There's a several lawyers, doctors, a real estate agent. So, and sometimes a person just would like to share, you know, good advice for you, which costs a lot of money. They just like, hey, professor, have you thought about this? Like, well, let's grab a coffee. Hmm, I didn't know that. It could be a blue belt or white belt. And if you act the way like, uh, oh, I'm the king, I'm a black belt, so I know everything. <laughs> There's a lack of... Uh, um, Self-awareness. Yes. Mm, that's what it yes, is. Self-awareness. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. Pretty much that's it. So we're getting close to the end of the interview. So as I mentioned, just stick around for after the interview when I figure out what, what kind of content I'm going to create. But what are you currently excited about? What's going on with the, with the project, with your organization? Yeah, I'm excited with the success of our second school here in Chicago, the Brazil Tony Arlington Heights, which we opened like uh, 13 months ago. And this school is growing. Of course, you have to put some extra work, which fine, it is a part of the process. And I'm very, we are very excited to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of Brazil Tunyon School of Jiu-Jitsu and our project in Brazil, of course. So those are those three things were what I'm very excited about, you know, for the next six months. So I have a lot of work to do. It. So if people want to make a donation, do you have a site or any way that they can um, make a yes. donation? So to, the way to donate, they have to go on www.brazil21project dot com and then you're going to send him it was because we still don't have the non-profit actually later would like to talk to you about mm -hmm. uh how to because you apply you for the 501c3 you need to get our status the non-profit status is in the united states you only have in brazil so that's one thing um but people can go on the website and see what's Brazil 21 projects about, you know, what you have been doing in Brazil and our social media too, then you have a better idea. And if, they, if they would like to donate something, so they just send an email to us. Great. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, sharing your experience. Uh, we're talking about the social projects too, which is something that I always uh, enjoy talking about and sharing experience about projects. So thank you so much for your time, man. Oh man, thanks for having me, and I hope um, <clears throat> we can, you know, reach other people, empower other people. Like it's not only to do jujitsu, but like take jujitsu as a tool. It's not jujitsu like competition-wise. That's what I'm saying. It was, it was just kind of like a, a great self-defense system, but like uh, is a way to live, right? That's that's how I see things. For Thank sure. you so much, man. Thank you. So for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Us. Us. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with the fourth degree black belt, Andre Terencio. If you're listening just to the final thoughts on Instagram TV at Gustavo Dantas BJJ, besides being the co-founder of Brazil 021 School of Jiu-Jitsu with multiple locations in the U.S., Canada, and Brazil, he's also the co-founder of the Brazil 021 Social Project. He shared about the importance of persistence and practice in everything you do. He shared a couple of success stories from the Brazil 021 Social Project, 
And my takeaway from the interview was when I asked him about a piece of advice he would give to the younger Andre when he moved to the United States. And his answer was, the money is the consequence of your good work, which inspired me to title this episode, Focusing on the Process. Don't focus on the outcome, the final result, the money. Focus on the process of doing good work, of providing a great service, and you will have better chances of achieving the material success you desire. Oprah Winfrey has a great quote. What material success does is provide you with the ability to concentrate on other things that really matter. And that is being able to make a difference, not only in your own life, but in other people's lives. And Andre has been a good example of this quote. Of course, even though he ain't no Oprah, as far as the financial success goes, but with the success of Brazil Zero to One, he has been able to do meaningful good work, helping others through their social project. Now, what does success mean to you? I have asked this question in previous Final Thoughts before. Does it mean to make tons of money regardless if you love or hate what you do for a living? You need to define success for yourself so you know exactly what kind of success you're striving for. I was reading an article on the businessinsider.com called How Incredibly Successful People Define Success. And I'm going to share with you one of my favorite definitions that I literally apply in my life daily and hopefully you can reflect and possibly utilize in your life as well. Zappos CEO Tony Shea said, success is living in congruence with your values. Now, let me tell you this. If you have an entrepreneurial DNA, there's a good chance that since you were young, you never liked people telling you what to do or telling you what you can or cannot do. So most likely, this is one of the reasons why you became an entrepreneur. I realized young that I didn't want people telling me what to do or telling me what I can or cannot do. I loved my freedom and I made my decision. Freedom of choice became my number one value, and I do everything possible to live in congruency with it daily. Since I focused on what I wanted to do, my passion, the money became the consequence of my good work. This is why I consider myself successful, not because how much I have in my bank account. I was reading another article by Clayt Mask, the co-founder and CEO of Infusionsoft, where he talks about a few ingredients of business success that have been the main drivers determining businesses' success or failure, progress, or regression. And the first one was passion. Every successful entrepreneur must have a passion that drives them forward, a burning desire, as Napoleon Hill said in Think and Grow Rich, a core belief that keeps them pressing on regardless of what others say or think about the vision. They stick with what they believe. They remain focused on the process of doing good work, and the money is the consequence of their efforts. Clayt said, quote, My strongest passion is serving entrepreneurs and small business owners. In the beginning, many people thought I was crazy for believing that a thriving company just focused on small business could last. Today, Infusionsoft serves more than 25,000 small businesses. He stuck with his vision, with what he believed. He stayed focused on the process of doing good work, and it paid off. What about you? Have you been focused on the outcome, the financial or material success, or have you been focused on the process of doing good work lately? For a big part of my jiu-jitsu competition career, I had the wrong mindset. I set my goals. However, I used to focus on my goal. Of course, I was doing my work through the process of getting ready for the tournament, but I used to think a lot if I was going to win or lose. 
And here's the thing. Anytime you focus on things that you cannot control, like the outcome of something, it will bring you muscle tension, anxiety, and most likely you'll not be able to perform to the best of your abilities. I'm not saying that you cannot win because I have won very anxious before, but maybe you won't be able to be your best self on the mat. Transferring this mindset to business, if you consistently focus on the outcome of your business, it might bring you a strong amount of anxiety, which could prevent you from being your best self in the business arena and affect your personal life. With that said, regarding to the outcome of a jiu-jitsu tournament or the outcome of your annual financial report, focus on the process that is going to help you to get there. Remember, the result is the consequence of your good work. We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, but the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com. 